Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm so good. How are you? Really good? Really, really good. Really, really, really good. It's Tuesday night, and you and I just spent an evening ordering pizzas at a park near Culver City, running around with uh, some you know friends and some we kids' friends. We had the best time. Just like a fun weekly community gathering with a pizza truck pop-up. Yeah, in the park. It was lovely. Taking advantage of the last couple, I don't know, weeks of before daylight savings. We can still be out till 6.45, 7 o'clock. Enjoying life. And we're enjoying life with a new wine tonight. It's episode 121 of The Long Finish. Special event tonight. Special event. I am not going to name the wine right now because we're doing brown bag night blind tasting. That's right. My uh, host here, my co-host. Co-host and husband. Oh, husband. Yep, that's me. I am going to see if I can apply all the things I've learned from you over the years to do a blind tasting on the air, live, to tape, on the podcast. I have no idea what this wine is, except we know that it's a white wine. Good. Your eyesight is working. That's correct. So I will try to treat this as like a level two psalm exam where I... Whoa. Yeah, it's a big deal. Taste the wine, tell you why I think the wine is what it is, and then I will make an official announcement on the wine. Stay tuned. I can tell everyone at home is listening on the edge of their seats. Will Tug my, pull it off. My shoulders are very tight. They're up in my ears. Mm-hmm. <sighs> my blood is running faster. Well, I'm nervous s- for you. Have a sip of wine. Calm down. we got a few minutes before we do that. Catherine, had a, we've had a great week. Busy week. Number one being kids are not missing any school right now. Knock on wood. They're in school. They're healthy. They're healthy. We're in a routine. Yes. Gosh, feels so good. Someone asked me tonight, like, how are we doing? I said, you know, I think we're in, like, the groove Yeah, I've been looking for. I think we're in a really good spot. Everyone's really happy. They're enjoying what they're doing. Our kids are each inspired in their classes. They come home eager to share what they've learned. They like their extracurricular stuff. They love being home, playing, and I don't know. It's a really good spot, and it's good for us because we have... A little more balance than we did in the summer. <laughs> Some fun developments. You know, I'm, I'm as we wait for the SAG strike to end, it continues. I'm still headed to the picket lines, but because of all the Writers Guild work stoppage, the SAG work stoppage, I've, from you know, Esther's has been open eight years. For the first five years, really until the pandemic, I was pretty active at Esther's. Definitely. Stopped being active since the pandemic. I've gotten back into it past couple weeks, actually, running the helping run the events program at Esther's. So it's fun to be back at Esther's a couple of days a week, be there more prominently, helping understand what's really working at Esther's, trying to get ready for the gifting season, holiday event season. So it's been fun for me. I think you probably have seen that. I'm a very obsessive person, so the job isn't really like supposed to be a full time job. But I obsess over things so much. I'm like constantly working and tinkering and thinking about it. So may need to calm down a bit about that. But it's been fun. I'm so happy. You know, we enjoyed talking about Esther's so much together early on. And then there was a point when we had kids where I was like, okay, there need to be times for talking about this and times for not talking about this because it was just so much. I was so obsessed with it. 
And for me, going through the pandemic, I really made a conscious decision to kind of split that in my brain and really compartmentalize better and have a more balance. And so even though we are talking about it more, I don't know, it's not like at the beginning, you know, I, it, it's more fun now to be able to talk about it with you. We had a nice conversation just a few minutes ago, sort of talking about, because you know, we're actually at work together again a couple of days a week. And, yes. You know, not, not always with each other, but seeing each other, high-fiving as we walk across the, the main room. So a lot of good stuff happening, you know, right now. I can't wait for SAG strike to end the SAG um, negotiating committee and the AMPTP are meeting this week. They're meeting every other day right now, so hopefully that ramps up. And we'll be seeing some conclusion to that very soon. But things are not perfect. My car is probably exhibit A for that. Last Thursday, I was driving home from Esther's, and my car, my 2000 Toyota 4Runner that I love, a car that I love. I know. It's really my only adult car. I know you love that car. It only has 172,000 miles on it. It's still going strong. It started to smoke from the hood. And the car stopped on the 10. On the highway. It's on the highway, for those of you who are not familiar with California. The, the 10 and the 405 are two major highways. I was underneath the 405 on the 10, and the car stopped in the middle of the road. And I had a mild panic attack. I was able to put it in neutral it wasn't so busy on the road yet. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It wasn't so busy. I was able to push, put the car in neutral and push the car to the side. No, it wasn't even 3 o'clock. That would have been busy. It was at like 1 o'clock. No, it was not. Oh. We had uh, early dismissal oh, at early 1.45. Dismissal. Okay, thank goodness. It was 1.45. I was going to pick up our kids from school and I was able to push the car to the side, turn the car off. I could see that when I turned the car back on, that the, car, the, the engine is overheated. It was hot. It was, you know smoking <laughs> i waited there patiently the car had shut off it shut itself off i was able to turn itself back on and i would go so slowly down the highway i was like the old person that i yell at to move over you know those sunglasses that are blinders on the side like that's basically like the type of person that i was driving like that i'll be someday soon enough and i was able to like get off the highway stopping and starting the car <laughs> pulling over to i think it was the overland exit go down overland and park the car at a, a veterinarian office went and bought some coolant for the car put it in the radiator uh and drove it home really let it rest for a few few days took it today to esters and it started to smoke again so i just went ahead made it over to uh our local auto body parked it there just gonna go over there in the morning and deal with it i'm, I'm hoping this car i talked to a car i don't know if you talked to your cars out there but i was like i'm so sorry i've neglected you Aww. i've been i've been bad to you and i need to be better and i apologize i was like rubbing it <laughs> 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 talking to it just just insane oh, um but i hope the car uh, is okay and i gotta re- remind myself to get up early and go over there and check on it but so other than that little blip which is probably going to cost us you know a few hundred dollars hopefully you know not much more i Um, can remember the one of the first times i saw my dad cry was when he gave away his car the first one that i remember him having he became so attached to that car and we were moving and he just he was crying my mom took a picture of it i still have it if you know me as an adult you know me in this car. I met you. You had that car. I really had two cars in my life. I had a Volvo. My parents had a Volvo station wagon 240 DL that I drove and drove to college. And then I got 
a Toyota 4 before I drove out to San Francisco. Those are my two cars. And so, yeah, I, I need to, you know, this is a longer relationship than I have with you. So I need to be better. This is me being better. You take care of that baby. That's a sign. I'm going to keep you alive, babe. I'm going to keep you alive. All right. I've been stalling long enough. I see you. Now I is the time. You. Let's do this. Your jokes can't protect you now. No, I'm nervous. I have an idea. This is the problem. Let's go ahead and start now. This is the starting point of this portion of the episode. The uh, This is the wine tasting blind portion. Tasting. Blind tasting. And I think something you and I talk about a lot is deductive tasting is when you have enough wine or wine knowledge, you start to guess immediately. And my brain is doing that right now. It's flaring up with like, we think this is this wine. We think this is this varietal. It's happening right now. I'm going to do everything in my power to stop that. Here we go. Okay. I'm looking at the wine now. The wine is, as Catherine likes to say, the wine is clean. The wine is sound. It's like a straw color. That's what I'm seeing. It's a very light colored white wine. I look at around, sometimes I'm doing the steps right. I'm looking, uh, um, I'm seeing if there's any legs on the wine glass. And the viscosity is there. I would say probably like medium viscosity. Not crazy legs or anything like that. All right. Anything else I need to say on the outside? Is there anything floating in it? Is cloudy? Is no, it clear? No, it's, it's very clear. I would say yeah. it's a clear wine. Not, yes, that's a good point. It's clear it's wine. It's not sparkling. Not sparkling. Yep. Here we go. Going into the nose. Now, we should say we opened this wine last night and we're tasting it again. I think the wine tastes as good as it did last night, which is a compliment to the wine. First thing that jumps out to me is fruit, citrus, lemon. It bangs on the head with lemon. Pretty ripe lemon, I would say. Yes, it does. This is very fun. I'm just sitting here yeah. smiling, enjoying your moment. <laughs> Sorry. I should talk, but I'm enjoying it and I'm listening. I'm with you. To me, it just leads so much with citrus. That's what that's what I'm getting. It's hard for me to really get anything else off of this. Maybe like white peach. If there's a mineral component, it's very clean mineral. I don't get really anything herbal on it. How am I doing right now? Am I crushing? She's nodding. And for those listening at home, she's nodding. I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm giving you encouragement. Don't give me anything. It's just got a ripeness to the fruit from the citrus world. I'm starting to doubt my, my thoughts here. Okay. On the palate. To me, no real diversification from the nose to the palate. I think there's a lot of the same components. Still get citrus. It's got some nice acidity to it. I, I would say, I think I said medium acid. Do I even say tannin for a white wine? Well, it could, but most of the time, if it's not an orange wine, it doesn't have tannin. Yeah, uh, so what component am I missing for the descriptions? You got acid. You got no tannin. Body, light, medium, full body. A medium. I'd say medium body. And then sweetness. I don't detect any sweetness on this wine. So that's my deductions. I'm nervous. Are you all nervous out there? I'm nervous. You've taught me in the past that old world wines have a big dif- differentiation from the nose to the palate. I know this is probably old world. It's probably I'm trying to read Catherine as I say these things. Not only are you reading the wine, you're trying to read my face. 100%. That's how I did my whole life in school. I'm like just saying things until I, something registers. I'm trying to think of the buzzwords of the, of the varietals that will help tip that off. Well, I do think you're right to do old world or new world first and explain why. 
But you can also go to varietals and regions that you think it could be and why. And the first thing I do in my mind is say to myself, well, it's not this. And that sometimes helps me. Okay, this is good. So to me, it's not. I said this last night. I'm staying by It's not Chenin Blanc. Why? Chenin Blanc has this sort of honey, wet wool. This wine is lacking a complexity or nuance that, that Shannon often has. I also know it's not a red wine. This is good. <laughs> to me. Now, let it be known that I picked a varietal that is not obscure. Yes. No, I, I agree. That's fair. It has to be Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, or Chardonnay, or Sauvignon Blanc. It has to be? <laughs> doesn't have to be. What else is there? Pinot Grigio. Yeah, so I would say these are the the varietals to consider for you here. Riesling, Chardonnay. Not a Riesling. Sauvignon Blanc, Chenin mm-hmm. Blanc, Rhone Blend, or Albarino. Of the... Wow, if it's Albarino, I'm done. Wait a minute. Let me say all those things again. Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, Albarino, Gruner Veltliner, Pinot Grigio, Rhone Blend. Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris, because that would be the French version is Pinot Gris. Okay, that's good. That's seven. Yeah. Those are all really fair. Yeah, and I don't believe it's, I, I don't think it's Riesling. Why is it not Riesling? There's something about this that makes me feel like it's a warm climate wine. Now, there, there are warm climate Rieslings, but Re- Riesling usually either has a round, a more rounded finish. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Why are you nervous? Really. You haven't guessed anything. I'm not really. It's not Riesling. It could be Chardonnay. It could be Sauvignon Blanc. It's not a Rhone blend to me. I think it's Chardonnay. That's my guess. My problem is, that's what I guessed the minute I tried it last night, and I can't get off it. That's just so hard. It's you, so you hard. You decided what yeah. it was. And where's the, where's the Chardonnay from? The thing you always told me was that Old World has like a big nose, but it's a, but it's a much subtler palate. I just don't yep. get that. The fruit is usually yeah. riper on the nose yeah. than it is on the palate. So think about if you're thinking that the nose is like lemon curd or really ripe ripe fruit is the palate still lemon curd or is it lemon juice is it you know that fresh lemon fresh lime think about that yeah that's what i get i think it's like fresh lemon fresh lime so it is more underripe on the palate uh, lemon curd would be new world lemon curd on the nose fresh, fresh lemon on the palate yes do you see the lemon yes. curd is this like richer got you that's sweeter, okay this is making sense the riper part, yep. it's like baked with sweetness, and then the palate is like fresh lemon juice. It's more underripe. That's what I'm going with. Right, but you see the difference. Yes, I do. So it's old world Chardonnay. Yeah, this is white burgundy. Where else can you have Chardonnay? Any, for lots of places. <laughs> I'm, but I'm going to pick a like classic spot. Yeah. It's going to be from southern white burgundy. What? Uh, uh, that's a good guess, yeah. like Macon or something, yeah. where it's like a little bit fresher, not as complex, um, cheaper. That's yes. I don't know what to say. That's what I'm going with. Okay, that's your final answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> now let me tell you something. 
<laughs> you're laughing at yourself so much. So, well, let me tell you, it was something usually when you're doing the tastings, you one thing you want to do is mm. say possible varieties could be, mm. and then you name like three. Mm-hmm. So at least I said Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, I did say Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, good because you want to get at least a point if it was in your maybes. Yeah, you know what I mean, and you didn't choose it. That your final answer is Chardonnay <laughs> from Macon. Yeah. Great. Okay, I need some more wine. <laughs> oh, no. The tension would you, builds. Would you like to see the bottle or should we go through the tasting together now? Let's go through the tasting together. Okay, do you want some more wine? Sure. Okay, don't look. Okay. First of all, I just want to say thanks for doing that. Thanks for taking the guts, having the guts to do it and try it. Because, you know, blind tasting makes a fool out of... The best of us. Oh, no. And whether you get it right or wrong, you have to go out on a limb. And when you're doing a test like that, you second guess yourself. And sometimes you can only smell one thing and you convince yourself it's going to be one thing. Or you, you know, you just are nervous. So you're. you're I really tried to go break, go off of my original thinking, but the the things I kept thinking and, and my limitations in wine. Kept bringing me back to the same general idea. So here's the thing: all the things that you said about the wine yeah. are true. Okay. And let's do the tasting together okay. now. Yeah, let's do it. And I might like add a few more things, and then let's call it together because I think really the only difference lies in you maybe not knowing the structural components of some of those grape varieties. Got you. Not. Not the nuances of the nose. Okay. Here's our fresh wine. I'm so happy to be drinking. Yes, I think a light straw color with maybe with hints of like green, like almost a green. It's kind of watery in the middle. It's clear. And just as you said, when I swirl the glass, I see the legs coming down, kind of medium in terms of body and viscosity. Okay. Nose. So much lemon, so much lime, all that citrus. I get the white peach. I also get a little bit of a smoky note, crushed gravel. I feel like I do get the gravel component now that I was smelling it. There's something on the back that I didn't get Yeah. When, under, under the gun. I get kind of an almond skin. All right, don't brag. I do. <laughs> There's like a, a little like of that nuttiness to it, a little almond nuttiness. I do get the nuttiness thing, right? yeah. And maybe some spice. Okay, I'll taste it now. Of all those things on the nose, yes, the lemon and the lime, and they are just fresh lemon and lime, so they're more underripe than the palate, because the palate, they were just riper and a little That's bit That's the sweeter. best way to describe it. You said it Lemon the best. curd, and the palate is fresh. Yeah, underripe is the way of think you've said it to me on the past. Yep. But I do get a tons of that minerality. I mean, it's like... My tongue is soaked with that like crushed gravel, wet rock. And there's an herbal note on the palate that I wasn't getting as much on the nose. A savory finish that's like a vegetal with spice. Do you feel that lingering? It's a really long on the palate. Just the finish is like minerality and like herbal green note with spice. It's still there. It's a really long finish. There you go. Okay. Say the, say the name of the show one the, more time. It's a really long finish. 
okay, let's talk about the structure. It's not a sweet wine. No. It's dry. Mm-hmm. There's no tannin. Mm-hmm. Acidity is high. Acidity is high. Mm-hmm. So that's one tiny thing you were saying. Oh, no. No, you were like medium plus. Yeah. Medium. It's higher. I can feel it on my face. It's but I don't, higher. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's because of the, uh, the nerves I was experiencing, but my face is, on, is um, sweating. Maybe it's from the acid. That's nerves, babe. <laughs> um, but it's your tongue watering, you know, yeah. like is your mouth watering. It's high acid. And I think that is key factor. That's the one key component. And then in terms of body, you're right. I think medium body on this. So the only thing I would, the, the, the key factor is the acid level because the structure of the wine really can help tell you the grape variety. And nine times out of 10, both Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc are going to be in the medium or medium plus. Chenin is going to be high. Riesling is going to be high. Grunewald Liner is going to be high. Those are the three. Yeah. You know, it's funny as you say that. I was like, please don't be Riesling. It's like, I exited out. I don't think it's Riesling still. It might be Gruner. But you got the lemon-lime factor. That's so strong. Yeah. Okay, so what's not lemon-lime? Okay, probably not a Rhone blend. Yep. Great. Probably not a Pinot Grigio is not that strong. And they're just not as... Air- they don't have as much on the nose as this. Okay, it's not Pinot Grigio. It isn't aromatic enough to be a Riesling. Like, it it isn't shooting through the air. It does have that acid, but it doesn't have that... The level of... The nose is just not there for the Riesling. And you have Albarino, which we've just discussed most recently. And does have that citrus. And does have that minerality i'm not sure it's quite high acid enough maybe you could convince me this is albarino but that's just based on structure so we talked about the stuff that you're getting on the nose the fruits the citrus okay that could be some of that's albarino some of that could be sauvignon blanc some like lemon green apple could be cool climate chardonnay you said this is probably, you said something, oh, this isn't from a cool climate, it's from a warmer climate, but it's old world. That's key too. So what are warmer climates in the old world? Well, you have Southern France, yep. that's warmer climate. You have parts of Spain, but not Rias Baixas where Albarino lives or that part in Portugal where you have Vino Verde, that's not warmer. You have Alsace in Spain, in, in France, so that pocket is warmer. You have southern Germany and Baden, and you have Austria. Austria gets a lot of sun. It's cooler, but there's a lot of sunshine. See, that's interesting to me because I think in my head, Austria is cooler climate. It is, but you have a lot of sunshine. Mm. So You tricked me. I did trick you. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, you could also look at me and know that I wanted to please you I and know. pick something I love, that you I would love like. Gruner. I know you do. The tricky part of this is if you're looking for the green pea or if you're looking for the white peppercorn, it's a little hard to get. If I tell you, now go try and find no, it. No, we talked about it. As, as you were naming these things, I started to see them. You can feel it on the palate more, that herbal green and the finish of the wine. But it's not as noticeable on the palate, or not as noticeable on the nose. Maybe the very end... But the spice is there, the minerality is there, and I get it on the palate, which for me is different. So it's a Gruner. It's a Gruner Veltliner. I, I'm I'm proud of myself because I feel like I did 
detect a lot of the things. Yes, um, you did. That I, that, I, that, I, that I were noticeable in the wand. Yeah. I love Gruner. I just felt like I couldn't get off of... It's something about the lemon. Ch- Chardonnay just somehow, I don't know why, in my head, think of it as, you know, lemon, citrus leaning or something. But And I love Gruner. I always think of Gruner as being sort of racy. And I just felt like... I just couldn't get there. I don't know. I couldn't get there. But um, I think it's, I think hopefully you all at home enjoyed this deduction because it shows the difficulties of it. And it's fun, right? It is fun. I like to do it again. I mean, maybe we do like two of these a year to see if I can actually get there. You know. Well, um, I think if you really want to get there, you got to do it every week. Well, that's correct. And we do it at home sometimes. But I wasn't going to pick Sauvignon Blanc. I felt that was way too easy. I could have picked a Chardonnay. We've just done Albarino recently. And, I, and I, to be frank, I don't know how I would deduce what an Albarino is, if I'm being quite honest. I think it. the hard thing for me is that it's, to me, it's always not far off from this. Mm-hmm. It's always in this world and close to Sauvignon Blanc. The three of them, for me, are close together. I always get the purazines, that like green peppery note in the Sauvignon Blanc, so that helps me separate. But, but Albarino and Gruner live in the same space for me, especially if it's Gruner like this that has a little bit more texture on the palate and doesn't have that pronounced herbal note, it's harder. Like, I, I think I would have called Albarino for this. Very interesting. To be honest. So I blame you. you. Like, listen, this whole thing was a bust because of, you know, your inability to... Well, but here's the cool thing. <laughs> I mean, and this is part of the re- uh, part of the reason why I think this grape varietal is so cool. So, Gruner Veltliner. We're getting to the um, education portion of this evening? Yes, Gruner Veltliner means green wine of Veltlin, and it's named for an area in the Lower Alps, an area during the 1600s that's now part of Valtellina, Italy. But Gruner Veltliner really has a variety of styles. You have the Gruner Veltliner that's inexpensive, that's sold in liter bottles, that's chuggable, that's great for summer, and it's lean it's dry, it's medium to light in body, it's high in acid, it has that lemon-lime thing, it always has, maybe some. it has some grapefruit or stone fruit like we talked about, but it has that core of minerality, and then it has herbs or that peppercorn spice, white peppercorn, but it's pretty straightforward. On the high end, you have gruners that can age so long. You have them in the lean style that may be um, fermented and aged in stainless steel or ceramic or something neutral. You also have Gruner Veltliners that are aged, fermented and aged, or like this, just aged in oak. And that that gives it more texture, more depth, uh, a little more body. You have Grunerveld leaders that can be picked early for that zippy style. You have Grunerveld leaners that are picked later in the season. That means they have more ripeness, more sugar in them, higher sugar levels. That leads to more alcohol, more body, more texture. Sometimes those are oak aged and they can, they can sit in a cellar for decades. They're really ageable wines and they're intense and they're got a lot of body. That's the cool thing about Gruner. So what's interesting about this particular one is I think it's almost up between the two styles. This has like that fresh citrus and it has the 
core of minerality. It has the spice, a little smokiness. It's fermented in stainless steel, but it's aged in neutral oak. It has a little more body to it, but a fresh finish. And I'm glad we're drinking it tonight because when I tasted it last night, it had even more intensity and more. I felt like the body was more body. There was like this brown butter element to it last night that was like so rich. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is now hard. It's going to, but today I feel like it's showing more like Gruner. So I was happy about that today. So it was good. It was the second day. This particular Gruner is a lovely producer called Malat, M-A-L-A-T. They're in the creme stall. They are in their ninth generation of winemaking. Michael is the winemaker. He took over from his father, Gerald, in 2008. It's a 50 hectare estate, about 120 acres. And as I said, they've been making wine since 1722. They're in Kremstal near the city of Krems. So that's very close to the Wachau, which is probably the most prestigious region in Austria. And Kremstal is actually one of the newer DACs, one of the newest appellations. And it's a really big appellation. But Gruner is king in all of Austria, really. But it's king here. And they have hot days and cool nights, and the vineyards are all on the south bank of the Danube. This is a blend of different vineyards from the state. And actually, this um, Malat just opened a cool boutique hotel about 10 years ago that looks really cool. You could go and visit. I'm very into this wine. I mean, you know I love Gruners. I Probably even more than I like... like <laughs> white Burgundy. I mean, I like White Burgundy too, of course. But I mean, I, if I'm drinking like a... I love Gruners. And so I should have got it. I'm kicking myself. I can't wait to do this again. I'm editing it so I got it right. So everyone knows I got this right. You'll hear my voice like <laughs> inserted in yeah. certain parts. My call is, that's when you say. Gruner Veltliner. Yeah, that's my call. <laughs> <laughs> this wine is absolutely delicious. I hope, I'm sure a lot of people are fans of Gruners out there, but this is an a- excellent one. It's a, a very traditional producer, but they have organic practices hand harvested, it's native yeast fermentation, so it's very naturally made. It's well made. I mean, the Gruner is popular worldwide. It it originated in in Austria. A third of Austria's wine is Gruner Valliner, and 75% of all the Gruner in the world is in Austria. The rest is like around wow. in Slovakia, and then there's a little bit in the U.S. and a little bit in New Zealand now, but most of it is in Austria. And like we were talking about, it thrives in cooler climates, but especially the sunlight is helpful here for getting ripeness. It needs a lot of airflow and good drainage. So really mineral-rich soils, soils that are not like don't hold water. Los is the los is the like the soil in this part of Austria, great drainage. One cool thing that we didn't really talk about is that white pepper component, you know, which seems to be the thing that people want to latch on to for Gruner. But it's important that that can both be the first thing you notice, but it can also be so subtle, like in this, that you only get it on the very finish of the wine. But what's cool is that, do you get it? On the finish yeah. especially, right? You can kind of convince yourself on the nose, but really in the finish, I can taste it. It comes from a special compound that's in Gruner Veltliner and actually is the same compounds in Syrah called Rotundone. 
and it's this peppery it gives this peppery note it's what it sometimes it shows up as rosemary or thyme basil oregano it can show up as all those kind of think marjoram or peppercorn those herbs when you think about it that way you're like oh i could taste some of that but i think it's fun that that's the same component compound that's in Syrah. I think the thing that I'm taking away, I can't talk about what this wine pairs with because I love, again, I can't say enough, I love Gruner. But from just reviewing my tasting, I think, you know, when I took the class at UCLA, I was able to understand, I think I had my shorthands, white pepper, you know, things that sort of trigger you to certain directions in the choose your own adventure for the wine. I don't have that right now. I don't have those. So next time, maybe what I'll do is I'll spend more time drinking wine. I'll brush up and I'll have a go. Because I think if I could catch certain things about Gruner, I probably would be able to put myself in that right direction. I think so too. They're just like, a, it's just a little more subtle in this yeah. wine. But once you see it's there, you're like, oh, how could I miss that? Yeah. It's on me. I'll be thinking about it, obsessing over it for the next week. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, at least you like the wine. Love you the can wine. See, you know, Everyone should get this wine. I love you and I want you to enjoy. Thank you. I'm definitely enjoying it. Good food pairings. For this um, one? I mean, right now, all I can think of is this big steaming bowl of ramen, like hot, spicy ramen noodles. Wow. Doesn't that sound so good? Either with pork or, I don't know, vegetarian too would work. That sounds so, so good with spice. A curry would be great. Or you go for some Gruyere cheese. That would work too. But I, I was thinking like food with like a lot of flavor and spice. We have this wine at Esther's? We do. Where else can we find this wine or Gruner's? How do you pick out a Gruner? I mean, there's some Gruner's are can be affordable. They can definitely. I was talking about the beginning. You can get a liter bottle for a great price that's zippy and chill it down and lean and it's just fresh and minerally. Those are great and inexpensive. And then there's Gruner's that like you can put in your cellar to age and cost a lot of money. And there's a lot in between. I think, I don't know, in the last 15, certainly the last 20 years, Gruner has become something. I mean, before that, nobody talked about it. Nobody knew what it was. But really, in the last 10 years, people talk about it. People ask for it. People know what it is. And they they also feel safe with it. Unlike Riesling, Gruner's the safer choice. It's sort of the... I hear that. It's sort of one step more interesting from, for, from Sauvignon Blanc... You know, uh-huh. if you're cho- you think you're choosing and a safe, dry choice, you're getting a mineral white wine. But there is a lot of play. You know, I, I would think once you go up in price with Gruner, you have to start asking where, where you're buying it, how it was made, how ripe it is and how it was aged. There are different designations for that in certain regions of Austria, but we're not going to get into that reading the label tonight because you can't even see the label. That's right. You'll see it on our Instagram, though. We'll post yes. this. Maybe you go ahead and buy this wine and listen to the episode and think about how you would have done. See where I went astray. See what I did right. And I would say have it open for a while. Open it. Yep. For and a day let or it two. warm up a little bit, too. And try, you know what, if you're listening with a partner or, or you have a partner or a friend in your life, try a blind tasting. See how it goes. See See what, you know. Put your money where your mouth is and see if you can and do it. We'll try this again next year, see if I can do it. Maybe we'll do one again for you. We did one earlier in our canon of episodes where you blind taste it. So let's see if I can um, see if I get the next one right. Fun. 
All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'll go first. Catherine, we went to a play this past Saturday on the west side, which is very rare to see theater on the west side. And it was also a world premiere of a David Mamet play at the Electric Lodge in Venice, California. The play was called Henry Johnson. Starred some great theater actors, and we started Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf was in the play. He's an actor who I think is extremely talented, and he showed his talent on stage. I thought he was awesome. We so both compelling. We both thought he was awesome. Yes. Inspiring to see theater and people working in a time where it's a little bit of a work stoppage in the TV and film world, so to see some theater was awesome. See someone who... I don't know as well as known for their stage work, but crushed it. And just to see someone living in their art and making it feel effortless, which is a word that we use all the time with great art, great sports, etc. Effortlessness. He had that. So that was really cool. So shout out to Shia LaBeouf. Very exciting to watch him work and um, great to see some theater on the West Side. Catherine, what do you have? Well... Another boring book wreck from me. No one's bored by it. Everyone <laughs> wants to know. They're on the edge of their seat. Uh, well, I you know, I am a fan of Ann Patchett. I've enjoyed many, many of her books, her short stories. I've recommended things that she's written before. And this is probably the biggest release she's had, as far as I know, because Tom Lake um, came out recently by Ann Patchett. It's on Oprah's list, as it should be. And the audio version is read by Meryl Streep. And what a pleasure. I just finished a few months ago listening to Meryl Streep read Nora Ephron. That was also enjoyable. But she is so great reading Tom Lake. And it's the story of this family in northern Michigan, lives on an orchard. And the woman, the narrator, and how her encounter and relationship with this famous person that she had earlier in life and it's so enjoyable highly recommend two thumbs up especially with Meryl Streep all right that's it that's it for episode 121 of the long finish episode 121 is in the books thanks to everyone for listening to the show if you have a chance to rate review and subscribe to the show it would mean a lot to us go out there grab a wine and blind taste and send us a video of how you did it at the long finish. How, just have fun. Have some fun. I'll get over my mistake. Don't worry about it. It'll take me six months to a year. But we're there. Catherine, where can they find you and the long finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and the long finish is there too at the long finish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. We should be back next week with an all new episode. Until then, have a great week. Be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.